Thanks so much, choir. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We'll meditate just on one verse for a few minutes tonight before we close our service together. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. There we read. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Amen. So what's in a name? Names can communicate something about who the person is. Meet someone of royalty, you may say, Your Highness, and use that name to show the reverence you have for their position, their title. Names can communicate uh, perhaps a special gift or a talent that someone has. In the early church, pastor, preacher, John Chrysostom, he was nicknamed the golden-mouthed preacher, which, of course, I'm sure is what all of you call your pastor as you talk about him to all of your friends around town. When it comes to Jesus, just about everything that we know about him is communicated in some way with the different names that he is given. The names of Jesus tell us who he is and what he has done. In Isaiah 9, we have four names, four names of Jesus that tell us just that, who he is and what he has done. He is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These aren't all of his names, just a few of them, and we'll consider them tonight. He is Wonderful Counselor. The word counselor is used to describe uh, someone who is a ruler, Someone who makes judgments. We saw that a little bit uh, earlier today as we looked at the prophet Isaiah this morning. The words counselor and king are used as synonyms in Micah chapter 4. So in the Messiah, we are told in Isaiah that, uh, that the Messiah will have treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that will be how he rules. He will rule from his treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, what do most leaders in today's world try to do? A good leader, you hear it said, is someone who surrounds himself with the right kind of people, who has the right experts in all of the right fields to lead him or her down the correct path in every decision. With the Messiah, it is not so. The Messiah will deliberate with himself, In essence, the Messiah will have all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so that he himself can make decisions. He does not need a council around him. He does not need a cabinet around him. Why? We read in Isaiah chapter 28 that God is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. But the the Messiah was promised to be a counselor. He was promised to be a counselor who was wonderful. The Hebrew word here is not the adjective wonderful, but is just the noun wonder. He is a counselor who is a wonder. This word for wonder is used in Psalm 78 to talk about the redemptive mighty acts of God. He frees his people from Egypt. He divides the Red Sea. He gives them water out of the rock. Our God is a God of wonders. Israelites would say. 
But this Messiah, he himself, he himself will be a wonder. Our Christmas carols meditate on this truth, don't they? Oh, that birth forever blessed, when a virgin full of grace, by the Holy Ghost conceiving, bore the Savior of our race. And the babe, the world's redeemer, first revealed his sacred face evermore and evermore. This child would be a wonder, but why would he be a wonder? Because of the next name. He is to be the mighty God. The mighty God. The Hebrew word for God is the Hebrew word El. There are various names for God or gods. The two main ones would be the Hebrew word El and the Hebrew word Elohim. So what is the significance that Isaiah says the Messiah will be called the mighty God and uses this word El? Bible scholars have pondered about this. Maybe Isaiah is just using hyperbole. He's not being, we're not to take him literally. He does not, he's not saying that the Messiah will himself be God. Maybe he's saying that the Messiah will be God-like in war. He will be a mighty warrior. He will be God-like in battle. Maybe Isaiah is saying that he will be endowed with God-like qualities. He'll be very wise. He will be very uh, benevolent. He will be very powerful. Well, it's interesting, just one chapter later in Isaiah chapter 10, we see the same term, mighty God, the same title being used. And it says this, a remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob to the mighty God. And there, no one calls into question what Isaiah means by that. When Isaiah says the mighty God in chapter 10, he means the God of scripture. He means the God of the Bible the God of Israel, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The Isaiah is telling us, uh, of course, as we learned this morning, right? Isaiah doesn't have a clear understanding of the, the doctrine of the Trinity. He's not going to be able to tell you everything that a theologian will be able to say centuries later about, uh, about the, the essence of God, the nature of God, and the persons of God. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this Messiah will be called Mighty God. He's revealing to us the divinity of Christ. That same Christmas carol goes on to say, O ye heights of heaven, adore him, angel hosts, his praises sing. Powers, dominions bow before him and extol our God and King. Why is Christ a wonder? Because he is God and man. God and man in one person. So yeah, Isaiah would have not been mistaken about this. And we see that in scripture, there is a fierce guarding of the difference between God and men. There's never any confusion of those categories. Something about the the Judeo-Christian faith is absolutely clear in our scriptures. God and man are different. And you don't blend the two together. You don't meld them together. God does not become humanity. Humanity does not become God, not like pantheism, right? They're separate, but in Christ, in the unity of one person, divine nature and human nature come together. So Isaiah is revealing to us the divinity of the Messiah here. In the book of 1 Peter, this would have been the the, the kind of prophecy that Peter talks about in chapter 1 of his book where he says, uh, the, the prophets searched and inquired carefully wondering about the mysteries of Christ that they were revealing, trying to figure out how it all was going to fit together. See, they didn't know exactly how it was going to fit together. Isaiah didn't know how this was all going to come about. 
All he knew is that he was writing under the inspiration of the Spirit, speaking these words, speaking the words of God, and that the Messiah would be called a mighty God. The word for mighty is the word for hero. Israel knew that their God was heroic in salvation, but this would be unlike anything they had ever seen. This would be beyond even their wildest imaginations. Remember in Isaiah 9, right? Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us, what is, what is given to us? A child, right? This is a child who is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. That's the wonder of our salvation. The Lamb of God who conquers, right? Lambs don't conquer. The Lamb who was slain. Even less a Lamb who was slain would he conquer. But the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who was slain for us, he is the one who conquers. Jesus conquers in mind, uh, mind-boggling ways, doesn't he? He says to his disciples at the end of his life, John, the Gospel of John chapter 16, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then he involves us, his people, in the overcoming of the world. In the book of 1 John, we read this. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. How do we overcome the world? Simple. Our faith, our trust. Not weapons of war, not great power and strength and might. We overcome the world simply by our faith. By trusting in the one who came as the Lamb of God. By trusting in the one who came and saved in these mind-boggling ways. The Messiah is called the Everlasting Father. Now that's interesting, right? Because we know that Jesus is not our Heavenly Father. But he is called Everlasting Father because this tells us something about the quality, a, a, a quality of the Messiah. And what is it saying? The Messiah is going to guard his people and he's going to provide for his people just like a father does. Jesus will go on to say what? I am the good shepherd. What does a shepherd do for his sheep? He guards them. He protects them. He provides for them. Sheep trust in their shepherd like a young child trusts in his or her father. We read that the Messiah will be called everlasting father. It's because he will be a savior who guards his people and who provides for his people. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Other worldly kingdoms display their power on the battlefield, don't they? That's where they show the world how strong they are. Everyone knows how strong they are by what they can do in battle. Jesus' kingdom shows his power in the absence of battle. Shows his power with a perfect and a perpetual peace. He is born to bring the kingdom of God to a new realization of peace. And how does he do that? Read in the Gospel of Matthew, why was he to be called Jesus? Same name as uh, as Joshua in the Old Testament, right? Yeshua. Because he will save his people from their sins. As long as there is sin, there can be no peace. As long as there is sin, there can be no peace. As long as there is sin, there will be wars and rumors of wars. But Jesus does not come just to make wars cease between men. He comes to make men at peace with God and to make God at peace with men. 
Romans 5, verse 1. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2. He came and he preached peace to those who were far and to those who were near. If you would have peace, run to Jesus. If you were to experience peace in this world, run to Jesus. Cling to him. Trust in him. He is the prince of peace. He is the everlasting father. He is mighty God. He is wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christmas this season. We thank you for the truths that you reveal to us in your word. We thank you for Jesus and all of the the multifaceted wonders that you've revealed to us in him. Help us to think and meditate on him, to be thankful for him, and to be thankful to you for your goodness and your love, that he was begotten of your love, that you so loved the world that you sent him that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but of everlasting life. May we treasure that life always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.